good evening. Welcome to our Good Friday service. Perhaps one of the most important services of the year. Certainly what we remember today is of utmost importance. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15, where he said this reality that Christ came and died according to the scriptures is of first importance. And that's why we're gathered here tonight to muse upon truth that is of first importance. All truth is important, and yet the cross is of first importance. I've been reflecting on Mark chapter 2, where oftentimes you will, you will see these miracles of Jesus, and, and we, we stand in awe of, of these miracles, as we should. But in Mark chapter 2, four uh, friends, four men bring a, a crippled, a, a paralytic to Jesus through the roof. And, and when he brings them um, to, when they bring this man to Jesus, Jesus says in verse 11 of Mark 2, I say to you, rise pick up your bed and go home. And he rose. It's a remarkable, remarkable miracle. And yet, that was easy. And the reason that was easy is because Jesus being fully man is also fully God. And so that did not drain one ounce of his, his omnipotence, his power. It was easy for Jesus to perform that miracle. But the hardest thing that in that passage, we tend to overlook at times, and it's found in verse 5 where he tells the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's a whole lot harder for Jesus to say those words to that man than for him to even perform a miracle. And, and why is that the case? Well, in order for Jesus to forgive this man of his sins meant that Jesus would have to die a death of substitution on a Roman cross. It's what we call penal substitution. Now, that's a term that might sound fancy to you, but it's a term we all need to reflect upon tonight, penal substitution. What is penal substitution? Let me give you a wonderful definition of penal substitution because this was the ground for Jesus being able to say to this man in good faith, your sins are forgiven. Penal substitution is this, and this is what we muse upon and reflect upon on this Good Friday service. God gave himself in the person of his son to suffer instead of us the death, punishment, and curse due to fallen humanity as the penalty for sin. Now I want to repeat that because that's what we're celebrating tonight. God gave himself in the person of his son to suffer instead of us the death, punishment, and curse due to fallen humanity as the penalty for sin. As one theologian describes it, Jesus took the most ugly, wicked, defiled, evil, corrupt, rebellious, and hideous crimes in all creation. Our addictions, idolatries, 
vain ambitions, our superficialities, our lies, our deceits, our greed, our self-righteousness, and the list could continue for hours. And he took those sins and descended into the hell of God-forsakenness, the place of punishment for our sins, and he rose again for our justification. So on Good Friday, Jesus did the hardest thing ever done in the history of the world. In fact, in eternity, for every believer who would ever live. His death means at least two things that I want us just to consider briefly tonight as we as we worship in this service. First of all, our sin condition and the sins we commit deserve a crucifixion. That's the first thing I want us to consider tonight. Our sin condition and the sins we commit deserve a crucifixion. And the second thing, there is no sin condition or sin that we can commit that wasn't dealt with on the cross. Isn't that good news? There is no sin condition or sin we can commit that wasn't dealt with on the cross if we trust in Him. And by trusting in Him, we are united to Christ so that what Charles Spurgeon once said is so gloriously true. You stand before God if you trust in Christ as if you were Christ. Because Christ stood before God as if he was you. Isn't that good news for us tonight? We stand before God as if we were Christ because Christ stood before God as if he were you. Well, let's pray as we begin this service tonight. Father, it's, it's the day in Holy Week, Passion Week, that we ironically call Good Friday. If everyone here is like me, there's a kind of reservation in our hearts about calling the day of Jesus' crucifixion good. That there had to be a day when you, our sovereign creator, who created us for yourself, would crucify your son is not good at all. But on the other hand, that you so freely and fully gave your son and that he so fully and freely gave himself up on the cross is never to be surpassed goodness. It's immeasurable goodness. It's infinite, eternal, unchangeable goodness, supreme goodness, by which all other goodness is measured. For out of the same heart, out of the same mouth of the Lord Jesus came those cries from the cross, Father, forgive them. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For him to say, forgive them, required the second. And the second secured the first. And together, both of them 
The fact that he would cry, Father, forgive them. And, and the fact that he would cry, my God, why have you forsaken me? Both of those two statements, Lord, they send us to our knees tonight. They, they enlarge our hearts. They loosen our tongues in praise of such a God and of such a Savior. And yet, how can we even begin to rightly express the awe, the love we feel in response to what was achieved for us on the cross? There's simply no way. No way that we can possibly adequately offer a response that, that is consistent with this supreme act of glory and grace and goodness. So like everything else we offer to you, as we begin this service, Lord, we ask you to take our weak, our faint praise this evening and purify it. Magnify it and cause it to be a sweet aroma to you. As we saw last week in Ephesians chapter 5. To the living God. Father, we confess tonight that because the Son of God was fully forsaken. We are forever and fully forgiven. And because he in some mysterious way, exhausted your judgment against our vulgar sin. We now live by the gift of his perfect righteousness. And so we say this evening on this Good Friday service, Amen. In your all glorious and merciful name. Leviticus 16, 15 through 19. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with it as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up 
before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make the many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide with him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Good evening. Would you go ahead and stand with me as we sing this wonderful song about the precious blood that Christ spilled on our behalf. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash 
We are now going to do a responsive reading out of Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 11. And if you would, whenever you see the underlined portion on the screen, um, if I could get the congregation to join in on those portions on the slides. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? 
for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And he said, why? What evil has he done? So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scoured Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Please stand again as we continue worshiping through song. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I. At the cross, the cross, I saw the light. My sins were taken away. And there by faith received my sight to see my Savior's face. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, the cross, I saw the light. My sins were taken away. And there by faith received my sight to see my Savior's face. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty Maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, the cross, I saw the light. My sins were taken away. And there by faith received my sight to see my Savior's face. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away 
Tis all that I can do. At the cross, the cross, I saw the light. My sins were taken away. And there by faith received my sight to see my Savior's face. You may be seated again. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemon, sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Please stand with me one more time as we continue singing. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was He to die. It is finished was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransom home to bring, then anew this song will sing hallelujah what a savior and be seated and some of the bystanders hearing it said this man is calling elijah and one of them ran and took a sponge filled it with sour wine and put it to a reed and gave it for him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper this evening as we reflect on the cross, the significance of the cross. For those of you who are visiting with us, we would invite you to partake with us upon a couple of conditions. The Lord's Supper is not an unconditional table. Um, The Apostle Paul makes that very clear to us. But um, if you are a born-again believer and you have uh, trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you've trusted in his all-sufficient life, his death, his resurrection from the grave for your pardon, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you are a baptized member in good standing of of a church that believes that gospel Uh, and you're a member in good standing of that church, we invite you to partake with us tonight. But but tonight, before we uh, begin the table and the observance of the table, I would like us to recite the Apostles' Creed. This is what the church has believed for centuries, and certainly we believe more than what the Creed says, but we cannot believe less. Uh, What this Creed says is what it means to be orthodox in a very real way. And so we are joining our brothers and sisters for centuries in reciting this creed together. And this creed has often been recited when the Lord's Supper has been observed. So let's begin uh, this time by reciting the Lord, uh, the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. We here at Fisherville Baptist believe that the Lord's Supper is a church's act. It's the church's act of communing with Christ and each other, and of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of the bread and the cup. But it's also an individual believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing our commitment to Christ and his people, thereby making the church one body and marking it off from the world. It's a time of renewal. And tonight, I would like us to do three things. I would like us to renew our repentance, renew our faith, and renew our love for God and each other. And so let's bow our heads, and we will um, take this moment to, to seek to renew our commitment to God and his gospel and his people. Let's pray. 
Most merciful Father, as we begin this time, the extended time of the Lord's Supper, your, your word clearly tells us if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, but if we confess our sins, you are faithful. Indeed, you are faithful, you are just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so now in these moments, we, we silently confess our sins. Take a moment right now and ask the Lord to show you by his, the ministry of his Holy Spirit to show you of any sins that perhaps you need to confess. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, deed, attitude, our motivations by what we've done and what we have left undone. Sins of malice, sins of weakness, intentional sins, unintentional sins. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. Not one moment. We've not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Not one moment. And we confess that. And by your grace and in the power of your spirit, we repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And we thank you for the promise of forgiveness in Jesus. This time, let's renew our faith. We've renewed our repentance. Let's renew our faith as we muse upon what Jesus did for us on that remarkable Friday 2,000 years ago. Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willingly redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. John tells us in this is love. Not that we loved you, but you loved us and sent your Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is, he satisfied your wrath on our sins. Father, thank you for the truth that Jesus conveyed when he said in John 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Lord, thank you for the truth from John's epistle, 1 John 3, by this we know love, that he, the Lord Jesus, laid down his life for us. 
Father, thank you for the truth from Romans 8.32 that you who did not spare your own son but you gave him up for us all. In Romans 5, you showed your love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, Christ Jesus gave himself as a ransom for us. Or in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Or in Matthew 20, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. Father, we recognize tonight as we renew our faith, a weak faith, an anemic faith, a faith that deeply needs to be strengthened and purified and sanctified. We recognize that the goal of Christ's substitution is that in him we might become the righteousness of God and be brought, reconciled to you as he carried away our sins into the wilderness. So even as we have renewed our repentance, we've renewed our faith, let's renew our love. Maybe there's someone in the, in the body that you have a sinful attitude towards. Maybe it's an issue with your spouse, your child, your parent, another relative, a neighbor. Brother, we know we can't come to the table bearing sins that Christ died for. We pray that you would Bring repentance to us as we renew our love. As Jesus said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled and then come and offer your gift. What that tells us, Lord, is that you're not interested in any worship we offer you tonight if we're not interested in being reconciled with each other, which is the, the fruit of the reconciliation that Jesus himself achieved and secured. So do you have a grudge? Do you have unresolved hostility? Is there division? Confess it, ask for forgiveness. And as Paul says, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Take a moment and consider this. And I encourage you not to take the elements and, until you've resolved this. Father God, the bread that we're about to partake of is symbolic. It doesn't become... Christ's body in some magical way where the substance is different than the element itself. It is symbolic of the human body 
which Jesus dwelt incarnate among us, sinless, righteous, holy, for 33 years. Fully loving you, fully loving his neighbor every moment of his life. And when he was crucified, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Still this to our hearts as we eat the bread this evening, representative of his body broken for us. Amen. Mark 14 tells us as they were eating, he took bread. This was the night before the cross. And after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. We thank you this Good Friday for this new covenant that was sealed, ratified through the blood of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And we, we drink this cup in remembrance of, of his all-sufficient sacrifice, his once-for-all sacrifice, as Hebrews says, for our sins. And we ask you, even now, in your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Spirit, the very Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, we ask you to commune with us as we commune with each other. We are so grateful for the gift of of communion, it was purchased for us. And with thankful hearts, we drink it to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, Mark 14, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Amen. We could close uh, this evening. With the doxology, we'll just do it a cappella as the church has done it for, for many, many years. So if you would just lead us here in doxology and we will dismiss. And if you could just be dismissive in, the, in, a, in a very uh, somber sense. Uh, we know that Good Friday is not the end of the story. Uh, but Good Friday is the day we reflect on the infinite cost uh, that, that had to be paid in order for us to have our sins forgiven. Because God is infinite in his righteousness and his holiness and his justice. He cannot budge on his standard without de-godding himself. And so how can God remain who he is as God and yet... Be willing to save sinners like us. Divine self-substitution. And that's what we are celebrating tonight. And that's how we close tonight as we reflect on uh, the glorious substitution of our Lord Jesus. Please stand with us as we conclude this.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You are dismissed.